The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Fathers, we're singing those words the psalmist wrote. I guess it just kind of hit me, Father, that uh, your people have sung those same words for centuries. Satisfy us. And, uh, Lord, how important it is that we be fully satisfied in you. So, Lord, I pray that you take this time today. Teach us to know you better, that we trust you more, that we be truly satisfied in you, I pray in your name. Amen. You may be seated. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wistful eye. Have you heard those words? They're in an old hymn. They're also in some contemporary music. That same idea. We're standing on the banks of the Jordan and we're looking over into the promised land. Well, as we begin our series in Joshua today, that's where we're starting. Okay, we're starting right there. We're looking at the Jordan River in front of us. If you look out in the distance, got to look, but you can see uh, Jericho. And even further, if the day is clear, you can see Jerusalem. But the thing is, it says that we're kind of in a tough spot. Moses has put us here on the plains of Moab. We're looking over, but, uh, you know, we have just been wandering for 40 years. It was supposed to be an 11-day trip, but we wandered for 40 years. You see, we're disobedient, and that disobedience and lack of trust in God turned us from worshipers into wanderers. Uh, so, the, so they're kind of stuck there, and that's where the children of Israel were as they looked over into Jordan. So, um, yeah, another thought about their time of wandering. They said that uh, it was a whole generation was going to die off. Historians tell us that was over a million people, and they would have averaged about 85 or, or more funerals a day during that time. Uh, so here they are. They have been wandering for 40 years, but now as we move into the book of Joshua, we are ready for victory. Now, before we get into that in Joshua, I just want to take just a quick moment and say this. Let's hear for the Old Testament. I, I just felt like as a pastor, I need to say this occasionally because sometimes today people are kind of like, ah, the Old Testament, you don't need that. We can, uh, they, they use the terminology like we can unhinge it or it's not that important. I want us to know that if we're going to know God in his fullness, we're going to know the word of God in his fullness. And we are going to see when we go through the book of Joshua, some awesome pictures of Jesus Christ. In fact, the name Joshua, and we won't get into this today, but it's coming in future weeks. The name Joshua is actually the same as Jesus. Yeshua is that Hebrew name. And uh, we're going to see how Joshua so often pictured Jesus Christ. But I kind of feel like I ought to say that every once in a while. Someday, 30, 40 years from now, you might be replacing me as pastor. And when that day comes, if you have a guy of the candidates and says, well, I don't really think the Old Testament is very important, kick him and, you know, uh, just, just let him go, okay? Just say, hey, it was nice talking to you, but we ain't paying you no money and get out of here. Uh, so, but anyway, I do want to mention how important the Old, the Old Testament is as we jump back into this whole idea. Oh, by the way, here's what Paul said about it. He said, for whatever was written in the former days, that would be the Old Testament, was written for instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. 
So uh, definitely the importance of the Old Testament there. Now, as we talk about living in victory, uh, I've got a two-part sermon this week and next. I'm pretty pumped. You, can, you, can you tell? i got a little extra uh, zippity-doo-dah uh, today. I'm, I'm pretty excited. Joshua chapter 1 is going to be two parts. Next week, okay, next week is going to be kind of the, hey, let's get moving type thing. We're going to kind of lay the foundation today. We're going to talk about the essentials of victorious living that we find in Joshua chapter 1. And uh, next week is going to be more the uh, go time. Let's go. Okay, here we go. So I'm, I'm warning you ahead of time. It's coming, but we're going to lay that foundation here today in the essentials of victorious living that we find in Joshua chapter 1. I do want to mention one thing about that. I started with the words, on Jordan's stormy banks I stand. This is not new theology. Um, okay, let me say it like this. A lot of times the reason why hymns that have lasted a long time last is because they're very solid in their teaching. There's actually an error in the idea of thinking that crossing the Jordan is going into heaven. It's a very common thought, but it's not really right scripturally. And that's not new teaching. I'm not like, hey, pastor's trying to throw something new at us. Uh, Theologians have known that for a long time, that that's not really it. We think we're crossing Jordan, we're going into heaven. When you think about it, when they crossed Jordan, there were still fights and there were still failures and there were still everything like that. I really think that the promise land, the victorious living that we're walking into is just that. God has saved us at the Red Sea, if you want to say it like that, and God has now called us to more. God has called us to victorious living, a spirit-filled life, walking in Him. That's what He wants us to have. So the idea of crossing the Jordan, I know it's very popular. In fact, back when they had all these series about, you know, how they examine dead bodies and solve crimes, they had one called Crossing Jordan. I never saw it, but uh, I know they had one that was on for a few years. Uh, And we have that idea that when I cross Jordan, so uh, I do want to very much prepare you for crossing Jordan, but that doesn't mean we're going to drink Kool-Aid at the end of this this thing. That's not where we're going. Uh, What what I want to do is talk about this land that God has called us to. So we're going to read the first nine verses of Joshua chapter one, and then go back and look at the essentials of this victorious Christian living. Scripture says, Joshua 1, the first of the historical books, now that we've gone through the first five books of the Bible, it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. By the way, God's workers die. God's work never does. It's based on the word and the spirit still going forward. Uh, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness of this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, towards the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. So he sets up the boundaries there. We'll come back to that. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. We're going to see that three times in this first chapter. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. I've commanded you, here you go, be strong 
and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you. Okay? Point, first thing I want to do is call your attention to the first essential of walking in victory. Verse number three says, Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give you just as I promised Moses. Okay, we're getting ready to go into that land. We're crossing over the Jordan. The first thing we want to hold on to, we want to make sure we hold on to, are the promises of God and realize what it is that God has promised. Now, I found something interesting this week as I looked at, at this. And that is, when I looked at the boundaries, and I'm not a you know, geography expert, but I knew the things they were talking about was more than what is Israel. All the way over the Euphrates, you know, we read that description of where the boundaries were. I found out that that land that is described there by God is 300,000 square miles. The land that Israel took was 30,000 square miles, one-tenth. I, I hadn't really, probably I heard that somewhere, but I, it, it didn't stick in my, jumped out at me this week. I said, wait a minute, they only took a tenth of what God has promised. So I, you know, I got reading and digging, and heck, why? What's the deal? And basically, the conclusion of everybody that I found who studied this said that the, the whole thing was they were going to possess anywhere where the foot of their uh, sandal went, and they didn't go some places. Okay. In other words, there was more that God promised. And what I wanted us to think about as we think about the promise of God is that maybe indeed that is true for us. God has promised us uh, very clearly in the book of Ephesians every spiritual blessing. And I think sometimes we miss out uh, by simply not going. You know, I talked about this idea of the importance of actually doing some things when we talked a few weeks ago about how the birds are the example that Jesus used for those that don't worry. They don't worry. They sleep well at night, but they do something. They don't just sit on the telephone wire the whole time. They go and they look for food. Okay, and sometimes we forget that there are some things that we are called to do. The scripture tells us in Philippians, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, here's what you're supposed to do. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You have salvation. You have faith. Work it out. Do some exercises. Exercise that faith. Let's get moving. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement with your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness. You see it. Uh, it goes on and says, let's add these things. In other words, what God is saying here is there is a relationship between what he is doing, divine operation, and what we are doing, human cooperation. In other words, get moving. And I think sometimes we are content uh, with only a part of the riches and the life that God wants to give us and the victories that God wants to give us. I mentioned, I don't really have a bucket list. I, I mentioned that before. I don't really have, well, I really want to see this before I die. But I guess if, if I had to, if you press me, there is one thing I'd like to do before I die. Okay, you ready? I want to go to a Super Bowl that the Steelers win. <laughs> I know. I know there's a lot of pieces that need to come into play there, but I'd really like to, to do that. I don't know if they'll ever get to one again, but I really thought I, about, it was about oh, 15 to 20 years ago, somewhere in there, uh, they were playing in Detroit at Ford Field. Uh, Field. They were playing the, the Cardinals. I'm sorry, the Seahawks, that game. Uh, but they, anyway, I know it well. Uh, I could tell you every play. But uh, we, I decided, hey, uh, you know, I got to get there. It's, it's Detroit. Got to figure out how to do that. Uh, Gates... Chevrolet was giving away two tickets, but you had to be in their showroom when they did the drawing. You, anybody could enter, 
but you had to be in the showroom. We hung out down there all day Saturday <laughs> waiting for the drawing. Some stinking woman that didn't even care about football one. But anyway, uh, and I'm not bitter a bit. Uh, but anyway, we loaded up and we went to... Uh, we went to Jackson the night before, stayed the night in a hotel, and we went over there the day of the Super Bowl. And the tickets, you know, the best I could find was like $2,500. And that was back in the day when that was money. Uh, and, you know, I, I was like, oh, we can't do it. So we hung around there, and we saw the Super Bowl village, and we walked up to the Ford Stadium and looked at it. And then it got to be about 1 in the afternoon, and I said, let's go home and watch the game. So we drove back home. I got home in time for the game. We never, never got in there. But I think sometimes that's exactly where we are as far as some things that God wants to give us. We get close, we see it, we know, say that'd be awesome. And I want us just to realize the promises of God that are for us. Uh, my, my parents uh, celebrated, just before dad died, they celebrated the 65th anniversary. And uh, he was awesome, we made it 65 years. And I don't, uh, my parents' marriage, I'm just going to say, it was tough to celebrate. It wasn't the greatest marriage in the world. And I thought, I don't want to just make it 65 years. I want to have a good marriage. I want to thrive. And I think the same thing about, you know, my spiritual life. Uh, I'm having a good time. I like coming to church. I, I have a good time. I love you all. I love this church. I have a good time. But I have to believe that there are some things that are unclaimed. You got it? There's some promises, and that's what, you know, as we talk about crossing over the Jordan, as we talk about living victoriously, you know, I hope we can see that there are some things that God has for us is better. So first of all, let's take his promises. Secondly, let's understand that he has promised his presence. No one shall be able to stand before you all the days, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you, so be strong and courageous. I will not leave you or, for, or forsake you. I'd like you to think with me for a moment, and we're going to be, I think I could say we're going to be kind of brutally honest as we talk about this, okay? Sometimes this promise of God, I will be with you, we struggle with, okay? Jesus said, in this world, in this world, we're going to have trouble. He promised that. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. You're going to have trouble. I'm going to be with you through the trouble. Sometimes that doesn't sound that great. There's a commercial on one little uh, local radio that I hear a lot. I think it's for a firearms company. Well, I know it's for a firearms company. I don't know which one. But you hear, first of all, the lady calls up the, the, uh, her security company. And she says, there's somebody breaking in my house. And the person on the other line says, okay, well, we'll stay with you on the line until help gets there. And she says, what good will that do? Uh, <laughs> give me a gun. Uh, but, uh, you know, but that's what she says is what good will that do? And I sense many times that that is, okay, if I say to you, hey, I know you're going through a hard time. I can't do anything about it, but I know God will be with you during it. Sometimes in our heart, we're like, what good will that do? Okay, yeah, that's great, but I'd rather have God end the problem than tell me he's going to be with me through it. So I'd like to address that a little bit. First of all, I'd like us to understand that there is great value in his presence. I just I want to hit that first. Um, we, Francis and I take the dog for a walk every night, and um, this last every once in a while this happens where I'm going to be out late, and she'll say, well, I'll take the dog so you don't have to when you get home, you know, so you're not scaring the neighbors. Uh, and so, uh, so what, there was a night like that this last week where I wasn't going to get in until 11, so she said, uh, you know, I'll take the dog for a walk. But what she does, because it's dark in the evenings now, when she gets to a place that's up behind the school, it's lighted, but where she's a little creeped out back there, she always calls me. 
and she talks, you know, so we, we talk while she walks, you know. What good will that do? <laughs> honey, honey, uh, you know, I, not going to solve any problems, but it does kind of give her peace and a confidence there. So the first thing that I want us to realize with that is there is some value just in saying, I'll be there with you. However, now, uh, this picture, let's say you're going through a very difficult time. I say, I'm going to come. I might not have any answers. I might not have any words even to say, I'm just sitting there. And you'd say, well, that's good. I'm glad he's there. But because you know that I can't do anything about it. Okay, so you have a financial need, and it's multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I say, man, I wish I could help. Well, you appreciate that because I, you know I can't help. But what if I were, you know, Jeff Bezos or... Uh, Elon Musk, and I say, I wish I could help. <laughs> You'd be like, you know, I'm thinking you could. Uh, you know, I'm thinking if you really wanted to, you could solve this problem. I think sometimes we get that way with God. Do you, you know what I mean? God, I'll be with you in the hard time. God, you could end this. Ha- haven't, haven't we been there? I mean, if we're honest, haven't we sometimes thought, God, that's great. I'm, I'm glad to have your presence. But uh, something that was very helpful to me this week uh, Francis and I, uh, the devotional book that we do, it goes in chronological order. And some of you might know that the oldest book of the Bible is actually the book of Job. So we've been starting and we've been reading in Job this week. And you may be familiar, Job was the guy that, of course, had a multitude of trials and troubles. So I've had a good time this week. Actually, we've had an eventful week. And uh, I've had a good time getting into what Job's had to say. I, I encourage you to read Job. I also want to tell you, when you do... Uh, get a study guide along with you or some study notes so that you make sure you understand who's talking at different points. It's not a great book just to pull random verses out of, but it is great to see the context and and you can really see Job's heart. Well, anyway, as we're going through this this week, uh, we came across in chapter 19 of Job, the verse that many of you might have heard before because it was in a song, I know that my Redeemer lives. And uh, explored kind of the context of that And in my little devotional guide, it says this. Here's what Job is basically saying in his writing. None of this makes sense. You ever looked at life and said that? None of this makes sense. This is utterly unfair and unjust. But I know the story has a happy ending. And in the end, I will see him face to face. I know that my Redeemer lives. Later on in the week, I read some more of the things that Job had to say. And this, this commentary I thought was good. We live in a fallen world where reason, I'm sorry, seasons of suffering are a result of the curse. We live in a fallen world. But even when our days seem dim, we have the assurance that we've been saved from going down into the pit. And there's a verse in Job 33, 24 where he talks about that, that he's not going down into the pit. Because Jesus graciously paid the ransom to rescue us from sin and eternal death. And we are on our way to live with him in glory. There is merit in knowing that God is with us. We're not alone in our trials. But there is greater uh, strength even in understanding what the resurrection did. Okay, somewhere in a couple months when we, when we talk about Easter, I know I'll say this statement because I say it every year. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the defining miracle of Christianity. It's the thing that makes Christianity Christianity, that he won victory over sin and death. He says death has no final say. Did you hear me? Death has no final say. It's a temporary thing. And, and therefore, everything that happens on this earth, it's temporary. 
And that may not be everything that we want to hear, but when we understand, and Job began to see, and folks, <laughs> you don't want to go head-to-head with Job in hard times, uh, but Job looked, and, and in everything, he was incredibly honest. He was incredibly truthful with God. But he also, bottom line, he said, I'm going to trust him. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to trust him. And see that, man, that, well, We'll get to something with that as we get to our third point here. Not only do we go forward in God's promise and in His presence, but also we need to go with His precepts. Again, only be strong, very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law of Moses, my servant. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. And then you're going to have good success. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. It should be in your mouth. You should be sharing it with others and talking to yourself uh, the principles of the Word of God. But you shall meditate in it day and night. So as we go forward, how crucial it is that we are people of the Word of God. Listen, listen. Here's, here's what happens all the time. I'm in a hard time. Pastor, give me a verse. Give me a Band-Aid. Now listen, that can be helpful as helpful as a band-aid is but what I need to do what my job needs to be as pastor more than anything is to encourage inspire lead and direct you guys to become people of the word of God people who understand what it means to meditate on the word of God which is a word that goes to an animal chewing its cud regurgitate it up and chew it again and get every ounce you can out of it and we need to learn to become people of the word of God in that way I am so thankful I mentioned last week had some potholes in it I am so thankful for a couple things yes I'm very thankful first of all that as I go through those things I am not alone I have my heavenly father secondly I'm very thankful that God gave me some principles of his word of God of hit from his word that I'm grounded in and that I understand and that I really begin to grasp that even though I look at my life sometimes and say this doesn't seem fair or why do these things happen and everything like that I understand that this life isn't all that there is and God has guaranteed that death has no final say things are temporary we get it because we dig into and we understand the word of God We cannot survive without the food of his word. And sometimes your pastor needs to simply say this. I am so thankful for the times we gather and I can share the word of God, but you need to learn to feed yourself. Okay, I, I have to encourage you to feed yourself. I mean, I, you, you know, you know, I, I mean, I'm excited to be here. I love to do this. This is like, you know, can you tell I got a little, uh, what's that, adrenaline going? I mean, I love this. I love this, but this isn't all there is. And if, if it is, if you're coming in here and getting little spoonfuls uh, that Uncle Danny's giving you, you know, on Sunday morning, that's not enough. I've got to encourage you more and more to get yourself into the Word of God. And it is so easy today, folks. It really is. Go home and Google daily devotion plans. I mean, it's so easy to get, to get these things, and I so much need to be encouraging you to do that. So many people burn out. Because they never get down any spiritual roots. They never really understanding the word of God. And rough times knock them aside. And uh, I don't want that to happen to you. I want you to be grounded in God's truth. How are we doing? Sounds like some pretty good stuff, doesn't it? I mean, honestly, uh, think about it. We're going in. Okay, first of all, we got his promises. And hey. Let's get a little bit excited about the fact that there's some promises we haven't claimed yet. There's some land we haven't put our foot down in. And let's, let's, start, let's at least today, next week we're going to put it down. But let's at least start lifting up and saying, God, where do you want me to go this week? Let's be excited by the fact that we have God's uh, presence in our life. 
And though there may, may times, even in, in, in our carnal minds, where we say, well, what good will that do? It really is a powerful presence in our life. And as we incorporate his truth into our life, too, and we understand what this life is all about, but then we, we, we want to make sure that we're, we're taking his precepts, his truth, his word with us. One more thing I want to show you. I also want you to remember God's process. Now, I jump back into Exodus where the promise was first given here for a second. And as God said, you're going to take this land, but look at those first three words, little by little. Okay? I got, uh, got a chance to watch my old cartoons this week, Popeye. Uh, and uh, as, as it came on, I was absolutely flip, flipping through the stations one morning, and as it came on, uh, they just got into that terrible place where Brutus had grabbed olive oil. You know what I'm talking about? It's scary. Uh, he grabs olive oil, and he's taking her away. Oh, Popeye! Uh, you know, that's what was going on, and she's crying and, and, and everything, and all of a sudden, Popeye, you know, he's trapped underneath, you know, tons of things, everything like that, and all of a sudden, he remembers that he has a can of spinach. Who knows where he kept that stuff, but uh, somewhere that spinach can would pop up and, uh, and they'd get a hole in it and he'd take his little pipe and he'd suck the spinach out and you hear the music. And you know, in a minute, Popeye's muscles have grown and Popeye's beating the snot out of Brutus and, and, and everything has a happy ending. Well, what I need to tell you is this. The Christian life is not like a Popeye episode. <laughs> I hate to tell you that, but it's not. We win. Uh, it is a lot more step by step, little by little, growing in him. So my encouragement is not, hey, you know what? You get yourself down to this altar and you surrender to Jesus and you'll never have a struggle again in your life. I'm not suggesting that at all. But I am saying, hey, there's a step in front of you. Let's take it. Okay. There's a phrase that I learned. And first of all, it. It bugged the fire out of me um, when I started working at the ministry down at Hope down in South Bend. And uh, at the, at the Hope Ministries there, they would use this phrase. When I first heard it, it just didn't sit well. But they kept saying that relapse is part of uh, recovery. Relapse is part of recovery. And you know, talk about addicts and stuff like that. I was like, no! No, you don't want to go backwards. You want to keep moving forward. And they kept saying this phrase. And it really did bug me. Until I started to kind of process things a little bit and realize in everything, okay, I mean, let's pick a simple everyday thing. I'm going to try to refrain from anger at my wife. Does that mean I'm never going to do it again? It's very, very seldom that you say, boom, here I turn. I, I know of a guy that uh, quit alcohol. You know, it was like one day he was drunk and out of his mind, I'll never drink again. He never did. But I've known of a lot more people that have struggled. And that's the case with almost every vice and every sin that we could talk about, that it is, a, it is a process. It is a little by little thing. So I want to say that as we are moving, if you will, we're moving into the promised land, great. We're moving into walking more in victory, great. But I, want, I don't want you to be, oh man, I stumbled. Listen, I, I told you a couple weeks ago, I am a New Year's resolution type of guy. I like New Year's resolutions. I did write out three on Monday. And I can tell you with all honesty, two of them, I'm doing pretty good with. <laughs> two out of three ain't bad, right? You know, I told my wife that last night, and she was like, are you getting proud? I was like, come on, friends. Uh, let me celebrate a victory. Uh, we're, we're, doing, we're doing pretty good. Uh, but, you know, you got to be moving, uh, moving forward and say, hey, what is that next step that I want to take? What is it that God is calling me to? Yes, for sure, we need to be living in victory. 
Okay, this is what we're called to be. This is the step. God wants you in a victorious, spirit-filled, experiencing things that probably many of us are not now because we're just kind of going through the motions because we're just standing outside of the Ford Theater or Ford Theater, Ford uh, Stadium and looking at it and we're not going in. And we need to, we need to get, take another step and let's get in. We haven't put our toes in the Jordan. We'll talk about that in coming weeks too. We got, we got to get in there and see what God wants to do in our life because he wants to do more. We definitely want to move into living in victory. But you remember a couple couple weeks ago we talked about living in grace there is a there is a if you will a connection between the two what happens so often is a we're busy and life's hard and Christianity's hard sometimes so therefore I'm struggling I don't really know exactly what step to take I don't know where to go and, and I feel like I failed before and what do I end up doing wandering wandering. But I want us to realize today that when God brings us out of something, and that would be with the children of Israel, he brought them out of Egypt. He has somewhere that he wants to bring them into. And God didn't bring us out of our lost condition where we didn't even know the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. God didn't bring us so that we can just wander through the rest of life. He has so much more of a purpose. He has so much more of a peace. He has so much more of a joy to give us that we might not uh, understand. But somewhere, listen, somewhere, that means our feet got to keep moving, folks. Okay? And I'm warning you, okay? I'm warning you. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about getting those feet moving. Okay? We're going we're gonna to talk about go time. Here, here we go. All right? We're there. Let's go. But I... <laughs> I am hesitant. Uh, part of the reason I preached two weeks ago about living in grace, part of the reason why I'm, I'm setting this up with a week this week is because I never, never, ever <laughs> want you to believe that the Christian life is a life that is based on our works. Okay, we sang this so clearly. We work for Jesus as a response to his goodness and his grace. We never work for Jesus to earn his forgiveness. That is not earnable. We can't do it. If we could, Jesus would not have come and died. He came and died on the cross because that was the only way there would be forgiveness. There had to be a perfect sacrifice. We have a perfectly holy God. There had to be a spotless, perfectly clean, holy sacrifice, and that's what Jesus did. So I, you know, I never want to, you know, you understand my, my caution. Hey, we need to get moving. You know what? Yeah, I was talking about how, I, you know, I don't want to just have a marriage that survives 65 years. I don't want to just have a church that survives. Okay? I don't, I don't want it. There's more we can do. So let's move. But I never want, well, I'm serving, so therefore God's happy with me. Listen, listen, listen. God loves me. Because of what Jesus, well, God, God loves me through Jesus Christ. And God accepts me because of what Jesus Christ did. Okay? That's why I'm accepted in him. I never, I never am going to do enough to earn his favor. That is a gift of God. That is, that is grace. But because of that grace, because of that grace, I want to figure out what it is that God is moving me towards. He's brought me out of wandering. He wants to move me towards more worship and more work. So, I have two requests of you. Okay, one is this. And I, I don't think I've ever said this. Don't miss next week's sermon. If you're not here, you've got to listen online. If you're listening online now, get yourself, I mean, get, uh, yeah, but anyway, I want you to listen next week. 
okay? Because you need the second part of this sermon. I'm only setting it up now, okay? You can't, you know, I, I teed it up now. <gasps> Got to be here when I hit it. Uh, so, but I, but the other thing that I want to ask you to do is just say, dear God, what do you want me, what, what, how, what's, it, what's for me here? What's that step I need to take? God, is, is that me? Am I, uh, am I only living, you know, looking at the promised land? Am I only living looking at that Christian life that you, that you want me to have and not really experiencing it? I'd love to get over there, Lord. What is it? What's that step? You know, where hasn't my foot been? What's missing in my life? I'm asking you to ask God that. And, but, but I don't want to leave you there. You got you to listen next week, okay? Because we'll, we'll talk more about that moving forward. Make good sense? We're going we're gonna to raise a hallelujah before we leave. So uh, I love raising hallelujah. I'm all about raising hallelujah. So let's go here, Rachel and Patience, Lexi, Adam, Barry, get up here. I'm playing around. Okay. Let me pray as, uh, as they get ready to go. And like I said, together we'll raise a hallelujah again. Father, yeah, um, yeah. let me start with this, Lord. I, I am, as I even think about uh, Moses being replaced by Joshua, I realize how it's a privilege of mine to be here, but how unimportant I am. I realize that any sermon, anything like that is, is useless without the power of your Holy Spirit ministering and getting a hold of our lives. I realize that, you know, a, a half hour in your word is, is not helping these people enough to make them really solid in your word. Uh, Lord, what I'm saying is we need you. Uh, we need you to do a great work, Lord. We don't want to, as a church, we don't want to stand on the banks and see what you have promised and not move into it. Uh, so, Father, I pray that as we look at this book of Joshua, as we look at this journey, that you'd encourage us where that needs be, kick us and, and move us forward where that needs be, but, uh, but help us to know the life that you've called us to. I pray in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.